DJ, PK, and David Locke joining us. David brought to you by Murdoch Chevrolet. During the month of May, get 0% APR for 84 months, no payments for 120 days, or until January 2021 on the 2020 Silverado, Equinox, or Trax models. Go see the guys at Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross or Logan. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. And you? I'm good. PK, I have... um, I, I... I um uh, I made a mistake and and booked a tea time on Sunday, which is Mother's Day. So if you need one Sunday, I got one over at Wasatch <laughs> Mountain. That's not going to get used. So if you need a tea time Wednesday, let me know or Sunday, let me know. I'll have to I'll have to check because when your wife's a golfer, that that can right. uh, work out well. Right. Yeah, my wife is a golfer too. She plays nine holes with me and my daughter, and then leaves because she doesn't think that the game should go for longer than nine holes. She thinks it's way excessive to be 18. Some days I agree with her, and some days I wish it was longer, and obviously that is determined by the quality of my play. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, no one thought you were complicated. Really? (laughs) So PK dropped a a little something there on Twitter that got people fired up, and I Uh think it's... What was that? Well, I think it's really simple that people love to loathe the Lakers and they hate Kobe, and I don't think it takes very long to explain it. But, PK, go ahead and tell them, uh, tell them what you put out there and why, and then tell them the uh, feedback you got. As I was watching on television, uh, they on uh, Fox Sports uh, LA or whatever it's called, West, and they had Kobe, and it was after he retired, so he's sitting there, and they're reviewing his top ten moments as a Laker, and uh, they would have the Jazz 60-point. In fact, there was one, <laughs> I meant to text you on that, but uh, in that game, uh, I think it was, you were sitting courtside, I, th- well, I know you were sitting courtside, but I know it was that game, because... Uh, he goes over to Shaq, who's sitting in the first row, yep. and there are you taking a picture. <laughs> you can see you. You look like you got your camera phone out. So they got that, and they got the uh, uh, number one. It was the eighty. What was it? Eighty-one points against Toronto. And so he's yep. talking about it, and then they have some Laker greats like Kareem, you know, uh, Magic, talking about just the desire that Kobe had to, to get the best out of his ability. And that Achilles game where he comes back, shoots the free throws, and then limps off and all that stuff, right? It's very dramatic, and obviously he was always a great interview. And as I'm watching this, I'm um, juxtapositioning it with the last dance stuff. So I put out a tweet that I thought was obvious, that, that, that Jordan, you got Jordan there playing the two-guard or swing guy, small that swing position that they play. And I put that Kobe is there close by, meaning you got Jordan one, you got Bryant two. There's a separation there, but in my mind, that's the two that I put at those positions. And I got a ton of blowback, and we talked about it here, and I'm getting it as we speak. I didn't think there was anything to say about that. I thought it was obvious. Jordan won, Kobe two. Um, so the other candidates would be Dwayne Wade, Jerry West, Oscar Robertson, depending what position you put him at. Who else? Drexler. Oh, yeah, Kobe surpasses Drexler by a mile. Yeah, but you were just asking for. Candidates. I mean, I think placing Kobe historically is an interesting concept. Um, you have the five titles, though Shaq is the driving force, you know. Um, 
he ends up having a few years where he plays with terrible teammates and they're terrible. Um, you know, he doesn't, you know, that now there aren't a lot of players in the history of the league that, um, are able to propel a team that has bad teammates, but those teams were bad. Um, he was a terrible teammate. Like nobody ever wanted to play with him again. Um, he was, you know, the number I always kind of think is really relevant is the all NBA number. Um, because it's the best way. I know it's voted on and it's got, but it's pretty accurate and it's a way to judge eras. You know, when you start talking about like, and, and so for someone like Stockton, that's unfortunate because he was only all NBA twice in his entire career. It's two years magic was out. Um, but Kobe is like all NBA 15 times. And I think 13 of them are first team. Like that's pretty real. Like, um, that one's pretty hard to like get Reggie Miller, by the way, would be another name, but, um, and then, you know, there's just the, the element that he was, you know, for all of his scoring, he was pretty inefficient. Um, and, you know, particularly late in his career was, was super inefficient. Um, but that was kind of a weird, you know, end of his career when he just, you know, was jacking 20 shots a night, shooting 37% was, you know, that's, that's a little hard to swallow. Um, so, I mean, I think you're probably right that he's the second best. Dwayne Wade's an interesting, an interesting kind of Kobe Dwayne Wade discussion. I think it's interesting. Um, and then I don't know, you know, cause Oscar, where are you putting Oscar? Probably as a point guard. Um, and so you, so it's not, it's, you don't have to do it. I'm definitely putting Oscar at the point, and I think that the thing that uh, Wade and Kobe have in common is they're both excellent players. That's not debatable. But if you just go to the winning at the highest level, you know, getting to the finals and winning championships, they both spent a pretty good chunk of their prime playing on mediocre to bad teams. And they both got to win early in their career because they had Shaq, and they both got to win late in their career – now, you know, Gasol um, and uh, LeBron, uh, you know, so when they got a better teammate alongside them, in the case of uh, Dwayne Wade, I think he's going to be behind Kobe on the list because he had fewer titles and he got a better teammate for the second go-round of the championships. Nobody argues that LeBron is better than Gasol. So Yeah, and he had eight, um, you know, eight all-NBAs versus 15 is a big difference. Yeah. Those Laker teams, by the way, that um, won the title, kind of unseating the um, Celtics, the Boozer, Darren, oh yeah, um, AK forty-seven Jazz teams. I, I feel like those teams have gotten those Laker teams have gotten dismissed. They're pretty good, right? I mean, you go look at that roster, and um, that was like that 0708 Laker team that wins the title over Boston. They kind of roll through the playoffs. They sweep the Nuggets. They take the Spurs in five. They beat us in six. This is the closest series they play. And, like, that team was great. And you got Kobe at 29, Lamar Odom, who was the number one high school player in the country and a top five pick at 28, Gasol at 27. You know, Bynum's a baby, doesn't know what he's doing. But that was a that was a pretty good basketball team. Yeah, and you have Phil Jackson, too. The, yeah, right, and you got one of the great coaches of all time. It's probably the greatest male coach of all time. 
I got asked the greatest basketball coach of all time the other day, and I went Gino Oriyama. Any complaints? Uh, you're talking about any level? Yeah, I just got asked, what's the greatest basketball coach of all time? I thought about it for a while. I came up, you know, I think Wooden obviously has that run. But then Gino Oriyama's kind of created an entire game. Yeah, the problem with right? get, uh, with uh, with saying that about a college coach is that when you get the upper hand in recruiting, John Wooden, for whatever reason, when you get the upper hand in recruiting, it can get so lopsided. I mean, the gap, the talent gap can right. just be massive. So, you know, is it really coaching? Now, it is a definition of college coaching because every college coach is their own GM. Uh, but to say any coach at any level, I mean, it really is apples and oranges between the colleges. I had, uh, I had a, a, one, a person who was in women's basketball years ago explain this to me as to why there was two or three dominant uh, women's teams in college basketball and you, you put Pat Summon in that list and this person mm-hmm. said that and it's gotten better I would think uh, and this is when I was covering a lot of women's college basketball and uh, said to me that there's not that many great players in women's basketball and because women aren't wired the way men are where's my playing time where's my shots they're more interested in the experience of it. And I always loved covering women's basketball and watching the benches because it seemed like they were having the time of their lives when their team was winning. And it wasn't about where's my shots, where's my playing time. They were happy to be in the moment with their teammates and that people like Ariema and Summit, they're able to get the high-level players who didn't care if they had five or six other great players they wanted to be on that team so dynasties were easier to build in women's basketball because they were getting all the best players and the best players weren't spread out because women didn't it didn't matter to them that uh they got 30 shots in high school and now they only maybe get 10 they wanted to be a part of it and so that allowed those two those programs and, and Stanford obviously has been really good over the years too, uh, and there's more than just a couple. And now we got Baylor and Notre Dame, and we all know who the teams are. Uh, that they were able to build them because women wanted to be a part of that, and they didn't care necessarily about their shots. Whereas the men, you just wouldn't have that. So I, what I think, I, I think that's interesting. The reason um, that I had Oriyama on that list in my mind is he. They're getting beat now. And he's actually created the environment that's getting him beat. Like, to me, that's kind of the ultimate, right? When you've elevated the whole entire sport to a level that they now can beat you. So I think you're right. I now think there's enough talent because of what they've built. Yeah. Um, or at least this it's was 15 years I'd ago. Have to talk to somebody. I'd have to talk to Ashley Battle or one of the players who was the, you know, seventh player or sixth player at UConn and see if they agree with that. I mean, um, But I think it's, I mean, I, that that was why I actually chose that. Like I was decide, you know, you're trying to decide between Pop and Phil. And then I kind of thought about on the other level that, you know, here's this guy who's actually elevated the entire sport to now catch him. David Locke joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, so one other thing to hit you up here. Uh, we were discussing Rudy Gobert, his impact on the offense, 
Uh, you know, the Jazz are going to have a decision to make in another year and not quite a half, depending on when free agency is, whether it stays in July <laughs> 1 or moves later. You know, a Supermax contract is just a massive commitment. And you start writing checks for $30, $35, $40 million, and the Supermax number can move for multiple reasons. But the point is, it'll be an enormous deal. And so, but the game is changing, you know, so you're deciding, is this the way the team needs to be built to win in 2024? You know, what at 2025, what is the game going to look like then? And, and basically, the question comes down to, do you need to play five out? Do you need to have five three-point shooters? And then we started discussing the question, well, um, it was something you brought up on the air here, that uh, you know, the number one thing every coach wants is dunks, and nobody gets more dunks than Rudy. So does Rudy create more open three-pointers than adding a fifth three-point shooter would create? And are there any numbers on that? Recognizing the Jazz, it'd be easier if the Jazz had a backup center who shot threes so we could compare, but, and you can't really do that, no matter, you know, the Jazz just don't have that. So when you hear that, what do you think, what do you know, and what do you guess? Um, I mean, I think the answer on if you're trying to get more threes is you just have to be willing to take contested threes at this point. So that, that's really what it comes down to. You have to have a philosophy where the contested three to you is an okay shot, right? So that's, you know, if you look at the teams that are taking the most threes, they're willing to take contested threes. Um, and that's a difficult decision. Like, it's kind of contrary to everything you do as a team. You try to move the ball and get better shots and get, you know, good to great. And if you're in some point, you're deciding that, um, you know, Houston and Dallas are kind of deciding that they're willing to take, you know, good. And particularly Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota just decided they were willing to take 43s a game and hit 33% of them. Like, they took terrible shots. Um, but that's their philosophy. Um, so, all right, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, the game is evolving. Um, I, um, boy, there's a lot to unpack there. So, all right, the game's evolving. I'm of the viewpoint that there's still the number one thing, and what Milwaukee is doing is denying the rim. Um, they've completely just committed to denying the rim at a level that's never been done before in the league. And statistical research shows that defenses determine the amount of shots at the rim and offense determines the amount of threes. So as a defense, what you can do is take away the rim. There's nobody better in the world at doing that than Rudy. Um, And at some point along the way, teams are going to play five out and you're going to have to decide the way Milwaukee has that you're willing to let people shoot threes. So Milwaukee, and actually this is the big change that took place this year in the NBA is that the, in the years past, you could deny both the rim and the three. This year, that's not true anymore. There's only one team in the NBA that's in the top five at denying shots at the rim and denying threes, and that's the Jazz. And there's only one other team that's in the top ten at denying shots at the rim and denying threes, and that's Oklahoma City. Um, I get to use prep right there that I never got to use. Um, if you look at the top teams that defend the rim, here's what they rank in just denying shots from three. 28th, 12th, 21st, 5th, 30th, 24th, 29th, and 22nd. So you now have to make a choice defensively 
of which you want. And if I actually take that even further to the top 15, the fascinating one is I believe that all bottom 10 teams in denying the three are in the top 13 or 14 in defending shots at the rim, like across the board. They're all there. 21 through 30, I think, are all on that list. So that's the biggest change in the league. The offenses have gotten too good. The floor is spread too far. You can't deny both, which I think makes Rudy more valuable. Part two of that is that if everyone's denying the rim, then I'm of the belief that those players that are unique enough to be able to get to the rim or on top of the rim are actually more valuable. So while Rudy's dunks are down from a year ago per game, he's still the leader in the NBA at dunks, and he is making the defense collapse to the rim to be able to try to deny him the shot that they're most focused on denying, which is his role to the basket. And so, um, you know, we have to get better at driving and passing out to other shooters and creating another opportunity out of that if Rudy's not available rather than taking the low percentage floater. The difficulty, sorry, there's just a ton to unpack here. The difficulty there is if you actually dig into the numbers, which are pretty interesting, and look at how many passes from the paint to three-point shots there are. Um, They're done by most guys that are 6'6 and 6'5 and 6'7 and Russell Westbrook at 6'4", and particularly strong. So we're asking Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell at six foot one to make a pass that's very difficult for them. Um, and that's, you know, that'll have to evolve, figure that out. Um, but I think Rudy, I actually am of the belief that as the game is evolving, while it feels like the things that Rudy does are being mitigated, he's so elite at them that I actually think they're making Rudy more valuable because he's one of the only ones in the world who can actually do that. Whereas the average center, absolutely. If you have a guy who's a roller but can't really get on the rim, you should have a stretch five. If you have a five who can't really defend at the rim, you might as well play Robert Covington. Um, and so, But Rudy's so elite that I think he does both those. Then the last part of that equation is the max contract and that's a whole discussion and it's not my money um but i would remind us what market we're in i'm good (laughs) okay there it is david like that was very concise because you're right i hesitated to ask that question that late in the interview but we had said earlier we were going to earlier in the week and i didn't want to let everybody down and i uh honestly i really wanted to hear your answer personally so thanks for doing that, David. <laughs> I think it's a fascinating debate. Um, I think the question is, to me, the question is, what are you putting behind Rudy? So do you need to have in your other 14 minutes a night a three-point shooter, somebody who does something differently, or should you actually just be consistent for your all 48 minutes? And then the flip side is, the, if you're going to super match Rudy, you're not paying more than a million dollars for that last piece. And you should never pay more than much more than a million dollars for a backup center, actually. He's David Locke. He's here every week, and he is brought to you by Murdoch Chevrolet on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Just had David Locke on, asked him a question that we'd been knocking around earlier in the week. I really wanted to hear his answer. PK, he's right. There was a lot to that. 
it convinces me that someone will definitely offer Rudy the max. I don't care how much the game evolves. And I already thought that because at minimum, Rudy can elevate a team that's out of the playoffs into a playoff team. So I always thought, but here in David, I'm thinking, yeah, there are teams that are in the playoffs who'd be up against it financially who would try to do something too. You know, listening to David Locke talk and then you respond, and Yach will back me up on this, I think we found David James Sniggledorf III's true purpose in life, and here it is. I didn't want to let everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a cop-out because I really wanted to know. I didn't I just, want to let everybody just, down. Just, up to that. That's why you're who you are and I am who I am. Because I don't care if I let anybody down. But what does what is DJ's goal? I didn't want to let everybody down. See, this is where I'm a better teammate than you because I'm fessing up and you're lying. And you know you are, and I won't give you up. That's what I do. I lie. Because I don't want to I let lie, you down. I lie, I cheat, I steal. Who are you, Eddie Guerrero from WWF back in the day? Of course you are a better teammate than me. Why? I didn't want to let everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> DJ's goal. All things to all people. We now have it confirmed one more time. I didn't want to let everybody down. (laughs) Whereas I don't give a flying you know what if I let anybody down. That's not true. You're lying. (laughs) You're lying. And you Lying, lying. I didn't want to let everybody down. Lying, liar. <laughs> you lying, liar. You're so nice. And That's you're gonna a be lying on your liar. on your tombstone. He was so nice. Yeah, I think there's some people <laughs> who'd write something else, but whatever. I didn't want to let everybody down. Okay, aside from a couple guys in the sports department at Channel Two. Yeah, maybe not a couple. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one. <laughs> By the way, do we want to discuss how David Locke is apparently not keeping track of days? Yeah, go ahead. Tell the people. So he just tweeted about you guys. said, thanks to David DJ James and at PK Kinahan. I always enjoy our Monday morning visits. Okay, how many years has he been coming on on Fridays? <laughs> I don't know. Eight? Ten? A long, longer than I've been doing this show, and I've been here for six years. So when did he take over? When was Hot Rod's last game? I don't know that he started coming on the first year he did play-by-play because he might have... Didn't he juggle his show and play-by-play for a little while? For a couple years? Bowler Jack, Lock, and Gerard. (laughs) BLG. I like BLTs better, but that's because I'm always about the food. As long as there's bacon, who cares what the other two ingredients are? It's bacon and whatever. Bacon and eggs, yeah. Bacon, lettuce, and tomatoes, Sure. Just don't forget the bacon. <laughs> I don't know how in, the, how in the world he thinks it's Monday. I think it's part of the reason, man. Every, everybody's thrown off. These days, Just they just run it's together. It's real easy to get thrown off. I agree. Yeah. I did it earlier this week. You, you were, did. I, was, I was confused on Wednesday and Thursday. And <laughs> he thought it was. <laughs> he just, <laughs> he had it's, to set me straight. It's Thursday already? What? Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got to say, for some people, you know, it's probably dragging, but we're still working. We're still doing what we do. And for me, the days are still flying by. I mean, especially now that the weather's warmer. Seems like, uh, to me, 
with the weather being warmer, you could be outside more. And I'm not outside in the neighborhood as much because a lot of folks are staying in. But I'm in the backyard. I've been, we've been sitting out and just I don't ha- I don't have the big deck like somebody that we know. But I got a little thing outside, and we've been sitting outside because the weather's just been spectacular here. I, I feel so bad for the high school winter sports, or not the winter sports, Spring. but uh, yeah, because so many of the times baseball, softball, girls golf. Uh, whatever sport, boys, uh, what, what, what do you have, boys soccer in the fall? Or spring, I mean. Yeah. And they're playing in just garbage weather, and this weather this year has been outstanding, and they and don't have any freaking it. sports. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that is so true. There's been so many bad days, and you just got to grind through it and play whatever game in whatever weather. Yeah. And now it's like, no, it's nice out. <laughs> it's like, I know. Where's the 30-mile-an-hour winds? Where's the cloud cover? Day, day, and where's these the... kids are not allowed to, to play. And just it's just an awful situation for them, particularly if they're seniors. And even if we know no matter what. Uh, but obviously the seniors uh, are at the top of the list and just feeling bad for them. But uh, that's the situation we're in. But, yeah, I don't know how he confuses Monday with, with Friday. Because as I said, the best things about Saturdays now <clears throat> with no sports and no NBA playoffs and no baseball and all the other stuff with you with your soccer. And believe it or not, I try to watch that as much as I possibly can. Uh, but uh, the best thing about it is I don't have to answer the, the latest response from Mark Cuban or whomever speculating on when the NBA or when MLB or when this or that is going to start. So that's the one day of the week that, I, that we don't talk about it. And that's how you mark your whole schedule. It's been three days since I've had a day, so it's, uh, it's Tuesday. Get ba- it's Tuesday. Get, get back on Monday, and somebody said something over the weekend regarding yep, what are they going to do with yeah. college football or, or what have you. NBA, but yeah. uh, but as far as the Gobert thing, it's going to be a legitimate question over the next year. I'm not convinced of anything, honestly. Everything's in play correct for me yeah, yeah and i buy that too and now it's getting a little jacked up here but here's what i assumed because to me and i know a lot of people are reacting to the donovan and and there's still i'm still getting tweets from a five-day-old tweet right uh you know people until donovan says something i don't or uh i'm over it it's a media concoction right uh until so we're getting the full range there but to me it started being an issue when Rudy went public with wanting more shots. You know, we talked about it a little bit at the time, and it kind of went away, but it was always kind of floating in the background. If he wants to be a big, a big part of the offense, and it never completely went away because the Jazz were running a couple possessions early in every game, usually in the first, literally first five possessions, where they'd throw the ball into him for like an old-school post-up move which there's plenty of analytics that say that isn't the way to go, plus the eyeball test says that isn't the way to go, and yet they were going that way. So I always felt like, okay, this is still an issue. It's not on the front burner, but it's still an issue. And giving a guy a supermax, no matter who it is, is always an issue. And maybe the only issue when you have an elite player like Steph Curry is, okay, now how do we build a roster around him? What else has to be done? It still becomes an issue for the team because it's such a high percentage of the salary cap. Yeah. So I always thought these two things are going to be an issue, but they don't have to decide yet, and they have the advantage of seeing how a couple seasons play out and how the postseason plays out, and if the Jazz keep progressing and they're in a conference final, it's a no-brainer. 
And if they end up being a seven seed a couple times and they're swept in the first round, it's also a no-brainer. They're not going to do it. But now we have this unusual circumstance where they aren't getting this information. And if the playoffs happen, they're going to be odd. No fans is odd. No travel is odd. No home court advantage in the postseason is odd. You know, when, when a guy delivers big time on the road in the playoffs and quiets the roaring crowd and makes sure his team wins on the road, what do you think? You think, oh, that's the guy. That's the hardest thing to do, and he just did it. So he's the guy. But you're not going to have that chance even if you win in the playoffs this year. It's going to be this odd thing. And so they're going to have to figure it out with less information than they would prefer. How much less? We don't know that. I mean, who knows? Maybe there won't even be playoffs this year. I mean, we, we just don't know for sure. Not to lead you down the road that you desperately want to avoid every Saturday. Um, so I, I just think that's real interesting. And I'm with you that you can't say anything definitive now. You, you need to see more games and see how they play. And yes, there's partly the chemistry thing, but I, I kind of feel like the chemistry is going to follow the winning and the losing. If there's losing, there's going to be tension regardless of however much or little they made up. And regardless of however much or little they made up, if there's winning, it's all going to work out. So we really need to see these games. And it sucks, but before Jazz fan whines too much about it, it's sucking, because it does suck. Uh, just know that a bunch of other teams are jammed up the same way because there's a bunch of teams that have big decisions to make, and they were counting on seeing how things play out to help guide them which way they need to go. And so a lot of NBA teams are going to have to make big decisions with less information than they'd prefer, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, the the chemistry thing there, uh, as I had pointed out, uh, Donovan Mitchell doesn't control the amount of shots Rudy Gobert does or doesn't get. He can be a part of it, but he certainly doesn't control it. Um, That's the coaches and that's the players, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, you know, I think that too – you have to look at, and I think what one of the things that Locke said that is very, very important in this situation is understanding your market. Now, I have been on a crusade, and Dennis has joined me, and we joked about it as far as breaking down these barriers. And I do think these barriers have been broken down. They're not; well, they have they have been reduced. They're not eliminated, uh, and just by virtue of limited amount of great players you know how many guys are coming up in free agency that really really are difference makers that you would want to give the super max to there's just not that many and then with those players in mind you know how many of them would want to take it here because if you're going to get it here you're probably going to get it other places too so his deal was speaking of lock was know where you are what market you're in, and there's something to be said for that. And I've often said that the foreign guy uh, probably doesn't care as much where he goes because he's a long way from home. You look at Dirk Nowitzki, goes to Dallas, and he ends up being Mr. Maverick, you know. Best possible scenario, and he wins the title, and he retires there, he plays his whole career there, and had the time of his life, All right? Well, that could have easily have been Brooklyn, Charlotte, wherever and my guess is that he would have flourished would so happen to be Dallas which is not exactly a small market but nevertheless is a foreign guy you got Gobert here seems to be okay uh, being here just being here unto itself you know if but not 
talking about whether he wants more shots or not, but just being where he is in the community here. You got Joe Ingles being here in the community. It's his second home. Well, it's not his first home. It's his second home, which is pretty good for a foreign guy. This is your second home. You know, you got to take that. So knowing your market, there's something to be said. If you got somebody here who's making a significant difference, uh, do you just and he wants to be here, do you keep him rather than rolling the dice and seeing what else is out there because that could be dangerous. It could be. I mean, part of any equation for any of these teams that have got to make these major decisions is, you know, if, if the team doesn't sign this guy and if the team now has this chunk of money available, who can you get? And not just who can you get this year, but projecting down the road a year. I don't know that you can project more than a year down the road because to tell a fan base to wait for two or three years, plus you got to tell the rest of your roster to wait for two or three years, you might see more guys bailing out like, you know, what are we doing here? This doesn't make any sense. I can go over here to this situation and it's better. So everybody's got to evaluate. If we don't spend the money on this star player – what who do we spend the money on and maybe we break it into you know to pay two guys or three guys but usually when you pay three guys you know it's better you're better off having played this paid the star player not always but usually yeah and then i think you got to look at the star player how much is he going to change you know they, they paid a ton to karolinko and it really didn't work out so whatever you're going to expect out of gobert when you give him that money you're going to get. See, I think the advantage there is that when they gave it to Kirilenko and everything went wrong, it was his first big contract. And this will be Gobert's second big contract. You've already given him an enormous pile of money. You know, you start paying guys 15 or 20 million bucks, and I think Gobert's over 20 and 22 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you've already given him an enormous pile of money. I don't know that you're going to be a, see a big change. If you give somebody $22 bucks and then you give them, I don't know, 35 or whatever the max works out to be, the super max works out to be, I don't know that it's that big a risk that you're that likely to see a change. You know, now, if you give somebody who's been on a rookie contract a big deal, now you risk the, you know, Kirilenko type scenario where, oh, well, what if it goes wrong? You know? Now, the other thing is that that Andre was the best player on a lottery team, and you were trying to build a playoff team. Rudy's the best player or the best defensive player in the league, and he's on a team that's already a playoff team and can win a series. You know, it's not as big a transformation as this club as it was for that club. Because for Andre, he was the number one player, and he was the number one player in his Russian team, and all of a sudden you're putting a roster on the floor, and you're like, well, Boozer's a better option, Williams is a better option, Okur for three is a better option. You know, so Andre's running around, he's, he's the fourth option at the end of games, unless he's yeah. the fifth, depending on who the other guy is. So... I, I get your point there. I think it's uh, a little apples and oranges to go bare, but it is always something to consider when you give somebody their first big contract. My thing is I sat with Gobert alone, and we didn't really talk about ball, and I looked in his eyes, and I came away super impressed with his drive. And since that, and that was even before he was really anybody in this league, he was going back and forth with the D League at that time, and I just came away impressed with his – what, what he had inside of him, and, that, and I still am. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Spring football tour. You want a little college football? Uh, ben Bolt covers the UCLA Bruins for the LA Times. We're going to talk with him at 9.30. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. What happens when you turn into that person that you hate? I hate that guy. Now I am that guy. PK, was there a little self-loathing going on last night when you watched the NFL schedule release? Which we would never watch because we both would have been watching NBA playoff games during normal times. I think it was more sadness. I don't know if that's the definition of self-loathing. Sad sad that you were that pathetic? I'm pathetic. I'm watching NFL schedule releases. that there wasn't, it came to my mind, I'm only watching this because I'm not watching playoff basketball. Right. Preferably, I'd be one of watching jazz playoff basketball. But really, for me, any playoff basketball will do, particularly in the second round and particularly in the West. I mean, because at that point, you've got really good teams. I mean, we'd be in the second round now. That's, just, that's a fact. And so you're, you're looking at most likely really good teams, uh, good player, great players, and so I'm sad that we don't have that. I mean, I'm sad for everybody. Jobs, people losing jobs, losing money. and Everyone's sad for everything, I mean, I would think. So uh, that's, it bugs me, and I voiced it this morning. And, and I'm not claiming any party, but to, to make this stuff political just really gets under my skin. Because I hate politics in general as it is. Um, and I'm just not a part of it. I grew up in the journalism world where you're told to be neutral and I took that very seriously and so I don't belong to any political party nor will I ever that bugged me and it still bugs me but sad but at the same time as I'm watching this stuff and this NFL and they're going through the schedules I just find myself getting excited and I've never done that you know you look at the schedules and it's like all right yeah I look at them and you know who's going to be on Sunday night who's going to be on Monday night and then I forget about it and then when it comes up uh, in September I get back into it you know and I look uh, each week which games and I'll forget about I've already forgot about it because they were highlighting scheduling and I was excited about it. I'm excited, excited for the NFL season. I want to see the NFC West. You know, the Rams, can they get back? Can the Niners stay there? The Seahawks have been good for a number of years. Kyler Murray looks like a young, dynamic player. You know, how good is he going to be now that he can throw the ball to Fitzgerald and Hopkins? That's got me excited, right? And uh, Tom Brady, in uh, uh, what, what can he do? And he's got Gronk there with him. And Mike Evans, those are great players and all. I'm excited about that. And I'm, I'm, I don't know that I've ever been excited about the NFL in May. <laughs> Who are you and what have you done with PK? <laughs> I know. But I, I was watching that thing. It was fresh. It was real. It wasn't concocted. It was real. So we got a huge debate going on our Facebook page. PK put up the NFL schedules out. How excited are you to watch the Broncos on Channel 2? And there's a lot of Raider fans who say, hey, the Raiders are closer now, so they should be our team. Uh, I think it'll come down to which one of those teams gets their act together and starts winning. And not winning big, because I think the Chiefs are going to dominate the division and win big, as long as they can keep the quarterback healthy. I think that's a, a pretty good bet. 
being close helps, but you need to win. The Broncos established themselves here because they had 21 double-digit win seasons over 40 years. But those days have gone, as you pointed out earlier, PK. They haven't found the young quarterback they can ride for a decade the way Kansas City looks poised to ride their star. Who is it now? David Locke? Is he going to be the new quarterback over there? <laughs> they did a nice job getting Locke, but they did a nice job point. getting Manning in for four years to prop things up, but that was always going to be a short-term deal because of his age. So they're struggling now. The Raiders have had one winning season in 17 years. You can't dominate a market losing. You got you to win. And this brings up the side thing from Bob. How does a tiny town like Vegas have an NFL franchise? Two things there. Uh, one, Vegas isn't that tiny anymore. I mean, it's not huge, but, you know, back in the day, it used to be like Market 65 or whatever. Now, if you rank them, it's, it's Market 39. So it's grown a lot. And you go down there, PK, so you've watched over the years as you go for conference tournaments and media days and whatever else. You know, yeah. the place has grown a lot. And then most, most importantly, well, they gave an owner a billion-dollar stadium. I mean, that'll do it. <laughs> Yeah. Build them a billion dollars. If you build it, they will come, especially if you build it and give it to them for free. So yeah. that's why Vegas is there. But just because you've got a gazillion dollar stadium and a nice shiny thing, people still want to see good football when they show up. And the Raiders just you know, haven't done a lot of it. I think that, it, and, and the thing is, the Broncos is such an emotional thing, but I think the way the primetime schedules worked out now, over the years, they've added so many primetime games. We didn't used to have Thursday and Sunday night games. But with Thursday, Sunday, and Monday night games now, they're all, the, the best games are largely siphoned away for those three and for the afternoon doubleheader. And those are usually in a post. So when there's a great game, you know, Kansas City goes to play Tampa Bay, that thing's going to be on. You know, The thing that we lack here is unifying passion around any team because it hides – all the bad games that are out there. Well, I think the reason why the Broncos, and I still disagree with it, but nevertheless we'll say it for the sake of argument, that the Broncos took over is because Steve Young retired and there was no good Mormon guy to replace him. Because when I first moved here, it seemed like it was all about the 49ers. Yeah, and it, it was, but because they were on another network, that you know they're, they're in the NFC, the Broncos in the AFC, even when Steve Young was at the height of his – deal, you were still getting Bronco games here all the time. And they had a good 40-year run, but they rode Elway a quarterback for, I don't know, 15 to 17 years. Fine, but we're talking about, is this a Broncos town? It was a Niners town. I'm not saying the Broncos didn't deserve to be on television when they were good, because Elway was sensational and all that, so I got no problem with that. But I'm saying this town here, when I moved here, it was quickly became a Niners town because of Steve Young. And if there would have been another Steve Young, a Latter-day Saint guy, playing at a high, high level at quarterback in a very attractive offense for a really good team, then if he would have been with the Vikings, then it would have been a Viking Viking town. town. Yeah, we'd have been a Viking town. Yeah. So the next time that happens, then we will adopt some other team. If if Ty Detmer could have had a run in Philly, I mean, the first time he went on TV, now he was only a starter for a year. He wasn't good enough. I know, right. But that first time, to your point... Before everyone knew he wasn't good enough, when people were still hoping the Heisman Trophy winner was going to translate, nah. uh, Bowler, Bowler told me the story about... Didn't they, he go like in the 10th round? Yeah, but the, the first game got like a 17 rating. It got rated like a division... Not well, I don't know, I, I, because he started, but I mean, my, my point is he was never going to be a big-time starter in the NFL. Right. 
to someone who a dispassionate observer like yourself, you knew that early on. But to the fan base who wants it to happen and is okay. rooting for it to happen, they're going to buy in. Now, we do see, you know, Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick, so sometimes that late-round guy bl- blossoms and away you go. But it didn't happen. But for that period, you know, he did start and they did make the playoffs. And for that period, we got a lot of Eagles games on TV out here because there was a connection. You know, yeah, there was a connection big time. Now it didn't get sustained because he didn't keep playing for the team, keep starting, keep going to the playoffs. Uh, well, but, but if he had, it would have sustained. We'll get it back in another year or two. I think we got to wait uh, one more year. You're stirring the pot. What do you got? I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> what do you got? You got something. <laughs> I don't know what you have, but I know you have. It's something. Friday. It's nine o'clock. Here oh we yeah, go. sure. <laughs> this town, we just have to wait and see whichever team that this man goes to, this will be our town. And obviously, I'm talking about Jack Tuttle. (laughs) How many passes did he throw this year? Someone was just asking me about him, and I said, I don't remember. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure if it was double digits or not. I mean, it was total mop-up stuff. But yet this other kid now, this Abbott and Costello kid who's coming what? up. He's who's the kid? Abbott and Costello? Yeah, we, we had him on. Costello. Oh, he threw 11 passes. <laughs> Tuttle threw 11. I forgot about that last one. I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> like you were watching <laughs> Purdue mop-up time. I got the Big Ten Network. <laughs> and we're doing it now with this latest kid. We're, we're going, Ute fans, Ute fans have become BYU fans in that way. Peter Castelli. Right. So Abbott and Costello here, he's the latest guy. <laughs> and so you, are, they you, even, are they even on him, or are they looking at the yes. two four-star transfers? Because no. Castelli isn't going to – I mean, what's he going to be, like three years before he's a starter? I mean, that's still a ways out there. Oh, we don't know that. He could, he's well, not going to be the starter year next gonna, season. The first year he's going to be in high school. The second season, right. is he going to come in and start as a true freshman? I, I would uh, think it's not. Would beyond think not. the realm. I mean, the Devils did, and then, of course, they didn't have anybody else, but right. they started. And uh, JT Daniels did. Uh, Matt Barkley did. So, you know, it's, it's if, that's the whole thing, is they're buying into this hype again. Here we go. We've lived it with Olsen and Heaps, yep. and now we did it with Tuttle, man. He's a freaking NFL cop, Matt Ryan, first-round pick. <laughs> uh, he ain't even freaking started at Indiana. Let's be clear. Let we Utah. Let's be clear. We didn't say that. But people <laughs> are buying the hype. Yes. And now we're doing it with Abbott and Costello here. We're doing the same thing. <laughs> Peter Costelli. Stop with the Abbott and Costello. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. And so here we are. We're doing and you fans are getting aboard on this stuff now. They're going they've become they've become their worst enemy. Where they're starting to hype some kid who's a junior in high school. And, oh, I can't wait till he gets there. He's going to be all that. And, and, and BYU fans are doing it with this Conover kid from down there in Chandler. You know, who he committed and he's a quarterback. And, oh, he's, we, we did it with Mangum and on and on. You know, and we got we see these kids. They don't, the, the hype is almost incredible. It's too incredible to live up to, no matter how good you are. And here we are. I see some similarities. They did it. You can't argue that they did it with, they didn't do it with Tuttle. And now we're going right back at it. We haven't learned, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.